You are not going to like what I'm about to say. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as honest as you think you are. And you're also not as good as cooking as you think you are. This isn't just unique to you. It is the case for all of us. I'm not as smart or honest as I think. I'm overconfident in my cooking abilities as well. But here's what's weird. This overconfidence is natural. It's a bias all of us have. And if you understand overconfidence, you'll understand why people disagree, why stupid people get important jobs, and why eyewitness testimonies aren't reliable. All of this coming up after this quick break. Success Story, hosted by Scott D. Clary, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. Back in December last year, Scott did an episode with marketing legend Seth Godin on how to hire well, which I think is well worth tuning into. So listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. In preparation for today's show, I polled 100 listeners of Nudge. I asked them three questions. Number one, how intelligent do you think you are on a scale from zero to 10, with five being average? Number two, how honest do you think you are on a scale from zero to 10? And number three, how would you rate your cooking abilities again on a scale from zero to 10? Go on, you can do the same thing. Take a bit of time to answer those three questions. And I'm sure your answers will be similar to those of the 100 listeners I polled. Now, I do accept that my listeners might be a little smarter than the average person, or perhaps for some reason, they all happen to be great cooks. But on average, I'd expect my audience's responses to level out with a rating of 5. That's because we all can't be above average. Half of us need to be below average. However, we are naturally overconfident. And rather than my listeners' responses levelling out on average, they were much more confident. On average, the listeners rated themselves with an above-average rating for intelligence, a 7 out of 10 ranking. They also rated themselves above-average for honesty, with an 8 out of 10 ranking. And they also rated themselves above-average for cooking ability, again with a 6 out of 10 ranking. This shouldn't be the case. All of these listeners can't be above-average in each of these areas, and yet that is how we rank ourselves. I'm not the first to discover this. Much larger studies have replicated these results, finding that most people think they are above average in intelligence, kindness, and driving ability as well. In fact, a study with criminals in a prison found that those criminals ranked themselves as above average for compassion and honesty. The same is true in your relationship. A study with couples found that each partner, when questioned individually, stated that they did more chores than their partners, which of course is impossible. Both partners can't both be doing more chores than the others. One study with couples went even further. The study worked somewhat like the newlywed game. In this version, William Swan and Michael Gill first asked couples to guess how their partner would answer a series of questions about their sexual history and then rate how confident they were in their guesses. 
The partners had to predict how many past sexual partners the other half had had, how often they'd used condoms, and how many dates they'd usually go on before having sex. And when one half of the couple would give the answer, they tended to be very confident, thinking, yeah, I really know my other half well. I'm confident that I know how they would answer this. But they were often wrong. See, the thing is, we think we know our partner better than we actually do. Moreover, the longer we've been in a relationship with someone, the more confident we are in thinking we know our partner, but also the more likely we are in having that confidence misplaced and getting answers to these questions wrong. If this scares you, don't worry, because remember that it also applies to your partner. They think they know you better than they actually do. The takeaway is clear. We are overconfident in all walks of life. We overestimate how well we know others, and we are overconfident about our own abilities. I think my favourite study out of this set of overconfidence studies is cited in the science of storytelling. Here, researchers asked employees to circle all the positive improvements expected for their own future lives before doing the same on behalf of a colleague. So, for example, if you think you'll get a promotion, a raise, a leadership position, then you'll circle those things and then you'll be you'll ask to think about your colleague and you'll do the same thing. What do you think will positively affect them in the rest of their life? Now, you've probably guessed the results. Many more circles appeared when the participants ranked themselves versus their co-workers. We imagine our life to be full of future positives, raises, promotions, leadership positions, but we don't imagine the same for our co-workers. We're all overconfident, and that's natural. To help me understand why we are so overconfident and why some incompetent people believe themselves to be more competent than they are, I spoke to the author of The Science of Storytelling, Will Storr. Will is an award-winning writer. He's the author of six critically acclaimed books, including the Sunday Times bestseller, The Science of Storytelling. He's a behavioral science nerd like me and has spent decades reading about psychology and learning how to apply it to storytelling. And through his work, he's developed an incredible understanding of how each of us view the world and why we are so overconfident. To understand overconfidence, Will says, we need to understand the confirmation bias. Here's Will walking me through this bias and why this confirmation bias makes us overconfident. I think of the brain as this, I call it a hero maker. You know, a, a, a psychologically healthy brain makes us kind of somewhat heroic. Um, so if assuming that we're not depressed, if we, if we do an ordinarily functioning person, uh, the, the brain kind of distorts you know, tells a story about the world in which we are much more heroic than we, than we really are. And then Nicholas Epley is one of these studies, which, which, which in which he kind of, he, I think he teaches at the University of Chicago, in the business school. And in the first year, he, he he gets these his students to fill in the same questionnaire every year, and every year they give the same answer. And basically, he's asking, so why are you interested in business? And why is everybody else interested in business? And what people tend to believe is that they're interested in business because they're interested in mind expansion and making the world a better place and all this other stuff. But other people are interested in business because they they want to get rich and wealthy and powerful and all that stuff. So, you know, we're all, again, with the, with the, with the caveat, assuming we're, not, we're psychologically healthy, if we have an ordinarily kind of well-functioning brain. We, we will have these kind of distorting kind of heroic beliefs about ourselves. We, you know, we'll tell a story in which we are uh, more morally heroic than we are in, in actual 
in actuality in which we are kind of motivated by kind of better things um our memories uh, you know worryingly are also highly vulnerable to being rescripted so we'll tend to remember um things that have happened to us and we, we, that our, our memories will rewrite themselves so we, we we become more heroic um in our memory than, than we were in, in actuality uh, we also have this ability to kind of think ourselves into the future in a more heroic way so in studies people are much more optimistic about their own futures than they are about other people's futures um you know that's storytelling stuff too you know so 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 these are all kind of functions of the storytelling brain you know in order to get ourselves out of bed in the morning and you know stop ourselves thinking about the inevitability of sickness this sickness and death which is the fate of us all um, we you know we 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 kind of live in this kind of semi-fantasy world in which we are you know in which we are um, all kind of sh- sh- heading for the stars. But we we are kind of higher than average in in morality. We're higher than average in opportunities for the future, and so on. I mean, it, it's interesting when I when I'm teaching this stuff, it, it's very common for um, people to put their hands up and say, "But surely you're describing just men? Surely women aren't like this? <laughs> it's only men who are like this?" Uh, but that's kind of a, that, that's an example of of the phenomena which i'm talking about it's like it's it's everybody i i think there are probably i mean i don't know i i imagine there are some gender differences in on average how people are kind of measuring their kind of superiority but there's there's certainly no shortage of female vanity uh you know i think i think um so, so, so yeah it's everybody we're all guilty of this um as i say assuming we we are psychologically healthy and i think that's a kind of interesting description for me of depression if you're not psychologically healthy you don't feel heroic you you feel like the obstacles of the world are so much that you're incapable of, of overcoming them like the world feels overwhelming and terrible so you kind of stuck there in your bed um scared to get up and go out the door you know most of us have been there we know how that feels and for me it's a kind of breakdown of the storytelling brain it's that kind of inability to imagine ourselves as being heroic enough to overcome the inevitable obstacles of life as will says a psychologically healthy brain makes us somewhat heroic if you remember one thing from this episode make it be that a psychologically healthy brain makes us somewhat heroic it's a great point not only are we overconfident this overconfidence is a sign of a healthy brain not having overconfidence is a sign of a potential mental illness So we should expect these behaviours and these thoughts. It's not a surprise that most people think they are more honest than average. It's not a surprise that dumb people think they are smart. Psychologists Howard Raffier and Mark Alpert have interviewed hundreds of people to better understand overconfidence. They have asked participants to estimate the total egg production in the US, or the number of foreign automobiles imported into the US, or even the toll collections for the Panama Canal in millions of dollars. Subjects, when they were answering these sort of vague questions, could choose any range they liked for their answer. Their aim was to not be wrong more than 2% of the time, so they just had to be right as much as possible. But they can give the range for their answer. So, for example, take the Panama Canal question. Participants could answer this with a really broad range and say, I think the total toll revenue collected is anything between zero to $100 billion. And you would be right with that because it's a huge range. You've just gone for something extreme, zero to $100 billion. The answer is likely to be within that. The researchers just said, you know, make sure you don't get more than 2% of the questions wrong in order to get your reward. 
people were encouraged to pick these really broad ranges, like zero to $100 billion, to make sure that they were right. And yet, the final results were shocking. In the final tally, instead of 2% wrong answers, the participants were off almost half of the time. They were off 40% of the time. The researchers found that people were incredibly overconfident, even when they didn't need to be. They'd say the Panama toll collection revenue is probably between $500 and $750 million. And they were wildly off because they didn't pick a broad enough range. It's $3 billion if you were wondering yourself. Here's what's surprising though. Experts suffer from overconfidence just as much as non-experts. According to the book The Art of Thinking Clearly, If asked to forecast oil prices in five years' time, an economics professor will be as wide off the mark as a zookeeper. However, the professor's prediction is arguably worse because they'll offer the prediction with confidence. Overconfidence doesn't just stop at economics. According to Nicholas Taleb, 84% of Frenchmen estimate that they are above-average lovers. Researchers have dubbed this the above-average effect. We assume we are above average, and in jobs where seniority isn't directly correlated to direct performance, you'll often see unqualified, potentially incompetent people get the role. Not because they're lying about their ability, but because they genuinely think they are good for the job. I'm sure all of us can think of politicians, bosses, and other leaders that fit this bill. People who have all the seniority, but none of the competence. This is partly due to overconfidence. See, all of us view the world differently. The way I see the world is differently from how you view the world. You might view me as an average podcaster, whereas, surprise, surprise, I'll view myself as above average. My guest will explain this to me in very simple terms. You know, your listeners, if you can go on, you can, I think they're on YouTube. If, like Jonathan Haidt has done his two great videos um, where he where he where he describes um, the story about capitalism that the left tell and that and the right tell. There are these great little sort of three minute um, animations that have been made of uh, the way that he narrates, and and he shows the story about how on the right they tell the story about how capitalism is freedom, about how before capitalism most people were serfs and peasants and um, were desperately poor. Once upon a time, almost everyone was a peasant, a serf, or a slave. Kings and feudal lords took most of what people produced, so nobody had much reason to work hard. But then, in the 17th century, capitalism was invented and the liberation began. In England, Holland, and America, they discovered that when you give people property rights, the rule of law, and free markets, you turn on a switch in their hearts. People want to work when they can keep the fruits of their labor. They want to invent new products, provide for their children, and be useful to others. Free market capitalism enables them to do these things. Uh, but the left tell the opposite story about capitalism, which is, is an exploitation that the, 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 the birth of capitalism has created this new kind of king and peasant class, in which is kind of on the top level, you've got Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, and then all the rest of us are kind of being exploited um, and used and abused. Once upon a time, work was real and authentic. Farmers raised crops and craftsmen made goods with their own hands. But then, capitalism was invented and darkness spread across the land as the smokestacks of the Industrial Revolution covered everything in soot. The capitalists became ever more skilled at extracting productivity from workers and pocketing the gains from their labor. So, 
you know, those are two stories about capitalism. They're completely at odds. And yet, and, 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 and yet they describe roughly what millions of people around the world believe, you know, about this kind of fundamental thing. I mean, my view is that they're both true. And you know, that's the thing about storytelling. Storytelling is um, usually a, a gross simplification. It's usually a one-eyed understanding of, uh, of reality. You know, capitalism is freedom, but it's also exploitation. That's the truth. But but it's, it's complex and it's unsatisfying. So we tend to believe one or the other. Depending on your view of capitalism, you'll view those two videos very differently to someone else. This is confirmation bias. The confirmation bias means we seek and remember information that links with our pre-existing beliefs. If you show a banker who adores her Porsche and paycheck those videos, she'll remember much more from the pro-capitalist video. She'll think that video was clearly well-researched, made by someone with intelligence, and she'll recommend it to her friends. Show a trade union leader the same video, and he'll remember far less. In fact, he won't listen to a lot of it. Instead, his brain will be bubbling with reasons why he disagrees, and he'll think the video creator is clearly uneducated, and will share this video, but only as a laughable example of how wrong the capitalists are. Each of us view the world differently, and these differences in views affect not only what we believe, but also what groups we choose to join. And and so uh, so, so which story you believe will, will then dictate who who your heroes are. So if you're on the right, you might make a hero of Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos because they've created all this huge value. They've you know you know all this responsible for the billions of pounds of sort of tax being paid and so on and so forth. Um, but on the, if you're on the left, they're villains because they're exploiting all these people who are working for them and, you know, or whatever the stories that happen to tell are. So, 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 the, so the groups that we belong to are kind of bound together by these particular stories they tell of the world. And if we're members of those groups, we will tend, we will accept those stories as, as the truth. So, so, so we're all kind of experiencing these kind of vastly different worlds from each other, these vastly different kind of realities. And I think it's especially true in marketing and business that, that we understand the stories that our um, audience are telling about the world. Like you have to get into their heads. You have to understand the stories that they're using to orient themselves in the world. And I think you do that by understanding the groups that they belong to, you know, figuring out what groups do they belong to and what stories do they tell? And then from that, who are their heroes? Who are their villains? Um, how are they measuring status? Um, you know, if you promise somebody that is, um, in, you know, into Buddhism, rewards of money uh, and sexual attention, they're not going to respond particularly well, you know, but, but, but so, so, so it's, it's, um, yeah, you, you, you have to understand this, this, the stories which your audience are using to orient themselves in the world because they, 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 they I mean, you know, they, they, they profoundly affect and dictate our experience of reality itself. It's kind of that important. It's that profound. We are overconfident about our own abilities. We think we are dramatically more intelligent than we actually are. But it gets worse. We seek out information that confirms this point of view, and we ignore or deny any information that goes against it. Incompetent people climb the job ladder with this bias. They ignore signs that they might be underperforming and promote people who believe they're fantastic. But you might wonder, well, why would an incompetent person want to climb the job ladder? Why do they bother? Well, as Will says, it's down to status. All of us have an obsession with gaining status and power. You know, status is is, is an unconscious obsession for all of us. Um, and 
it's kind of hidden from us. It's kind of bad strategy to admit to other people that we're interested in status. And, and because of how the brain works, that means it's bad strategy for, for us to admit to ourselves that we're interested in status. So we kind of hide it with um, with all this other stuff. But but you've only got to spend kind of 30 seconds thinking about it to realize that this is true. And even with even separate from the studies, which find that, you know, cross cultures, cross gender, cross personality, across age group, that's that, that our status is, is more of a reliable predictor of happiness than anything else, including kind of connection and love. So, you, you know, everything that we do in our life kind of outside of the family, so much of it is tied up in status uh, and, you know, the, the feeling of um, th- th- that we're kind of valued in the world. The pursuit of status is what drives civilization itself. And um, I, I think the mistake people make about status is when you talk about status, they think you're talking purely about money or you're talking about being famous. And they think, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not that bothered about money or I, I don't want to be a celebrity or I don't want to be the boss, you know. Um, but, but but status is simply about it's about the feeling of being valued, the feeling that we're, we're a valuable person. And so nobody's happy feeling sort of likable but useless, you know, having people say about them, well, they're a nice person, but that they're completely useless. Like you wouldn't want to trust them with anything or rely on them to do anything. I mean, that, that, that that's pr- pretty universally going to make people feel pretty insulted if they heard that about themselves. And so again, that has, you know, solid evolutionary foundations. We've spent most of our time on this earth existing in hunter gatherer tribes, uh, at, you know, as I said before, without a judiciary, without a police force, without, uh, in, you know, a, 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 a Usually these tribes didn't have leaders with big sticks ordering everybody around. Um, they were much more kind of egalitarian than, than today's um, typical groups. So you had to, have, we evolved these kind of incentives uh, in order to kind of put the group's interests first. And so what, what, what happened in those tribes were the people that were, that, that were of the most valuable to the group were raised in status. So their reputation in that, in those gossipy stories were improved. So somebody, um, was a great hunter or a great honey finder or a great sorcerer or a great storyteller that would raise in status. And there's also kind of virtue forms of status. So somebody was a selfless person, a courageous person. Somebody was a kind of spiritual person, a religious person. Somebody was good at following the rules and enforcing the rules. They would also raise in status. And so what you found in the groups in which we evolved was that the more status the person had in the group, the more food they'd get, the better food they'd get, the safer their sleeping sites, the greater the access to the choice of mates. Um, so, so, so essentially, the more status, that, the, the more valuable you prove yourself, the higher your status. And the higher your status, the better everything else got in your life, the better your ability to, to survive and reproduce. And so it becomes this basic fundamental rule in the human brain, go for status. If you Because if you go for status, everything else gets better. And, you know, human groups are kind of like I describe them as status games. You know, each group has a different way of measuring status. And sure, like for bankers and perhaps lawyers, you might measure your status in money in how rich you've you've become. But that's not how monks measure their status. That's not how people in the wellness industry measure their status. Um, uh, they they measure their status often by how much they the extent to which they can deprive themselves of things like sugar and you know <laughs> fun. So 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 there, there are infinite ways that we that we that we can measure our status but each group has its own way of measuring status and sorting people on this kind of hierarchy around those measures why do dumb people think they're smart that's the question we set out to answer and i think the answer is fairly clear 
we are naturally overconfident of our own abilities. Of course, it's not just dumb people who think they're smarter than they actually are. That was just an excuse for me to use a click-worthy title for this podcast episode. Everyone thinks they are smarter than they really are. What's more, we seek information to match that point of view. Plus, we seek out status to feel more valued, so we seek other people who share our overconfident belief. That's why dumb people think they're smart, and also how incompetent people can climb the job ladder. But that's not all. There are more biases that affect how we view the world and how we develop our beliefs. I'll share those after this quick break. As many of you know, I have just quit my job to go full-time on Nudge, but prior to that, I spent my career working in startups. And startups aren't easy. It's long hours, small teams, tiny budgets. It makes marketing hard work, but it doesn't have to be. HubSpot for startups can help grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects your sales, marketing, and support all together. So you can increase your leads, you can fast-track your deals, smooth out support, and join a platform that more than 190,000 top brands trust. HubSpot also offer discounts for startups on their top-rated customer platform and not the type of discounts that barely make a dent. So if you're ready to boost your marketing without breaking the bank, look no further than HubSpot for startups. To see how much you can save, visit hubspot.com startups. Before the break, Will shared how each of us are obsessed with status and also how gaining status can boost your happiness. He shares more about this in his book. In it, he cites research that found people's subjective well-being, self-esteem, and mental and physical health appear to depend on the level of status they are accorded by others. In other words, we need status to feel good about ourselves. We're not alone, by the way, in this love for status. In fact, the preoccupation with status stretches across the animal kingdom. Crickets, yes, even crickets, the insects, keep a tally of their victories and failures against their rivals, showing they have this love for status too. Other research into bird communication has revealed the astonishing fact that not only do ravens listen to gossip of neighbouring flocks, but they pay special attention to gossip that speaks about a reversal in another bird's status. Birds, like humans, care about status and want to feel valued by others. Capitalists feel the need to be valued by their peers, and communists feel the need to be valued by their peers. That's a natural human tendency. And because of that need to feel valued, we'll double down on the views that our groups hold to make sure we feel accepted and valued by that group. I think, you know, a big source of our beliefs, again, are the groups that we belong to. We tend to believe what our groups believe, you know, and that's that's how incredibly smart people end up disagreeing about really important things is because we've we're, we're just we are we remain incredibly groupish and the brain is much more interested in us sort of rising in status in our groups than it is about discovering the truth and rising in status in groups you know usually almost always if not always in, it involves accepting and internalizing and believing the sacred beliefs of our of our groups so we you know we have this sense that that, that we that we that we choose our beliefs like we choose a you know a melon in the supermarket you know we assess it and squeeze it and smell it and go oh, do I believe this or do I not believe this um but it's not true you know we, we don't we, we you know we, we don't get to choose what we believe in the case of our most important beliefs like things like whether we believe in God or not and our you know like 
you know, there's a certain class of belief, like the length of the Mississippi River and, you know, how far away the moon is, which, um, which, sure, you know, uh, that's matters of pure reason but 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 the beliefs that are groupish the beliefs that we kind of lasso our status around we, we don't really get to choose those they kind of happen to us i mean I, I grew up in a very um religious family in a very catholic family and, I, and i've never believed in god i've always from the earliest i can remember thought it was ridiculous like mental like how could you believe this stuff this is crazy um uh, but i didn't choose to be an atheist I, I didn't choose to be an atheist um just like my parents didn't choose to be catholics everyone's saying to my mom you know if you were born in um india you'd be a hindu or a sikh you wouldn't be Catholic. And she said, no, I wouldn't. I'd be a Catholic. And I've been thinking, that's just, no. <laughs> um, so, 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 so yeah, you know, I, it's, um, yeah, I, I, we, we don't, we don't choose our beliefs. It's, it's certainly in, in, in the case of the beliefs that, that, that are attached to our identity and our sense of status in the world. This is a really important point to end on. Most of us don't choose our beliefs. We take the beliefs of the group we're in, and sometimes we're born into those groups with no option but to take those views. So let's round up with some actionable points that you can take away. First of all, you are overconfident. You overestimate your abilities, and others do the same. Your boss will think they are smarter than they actually are, and that's normal. But we also seek information that matches our points of view. This is the confirmation bias. Your boss will remember more if you talk about how wonderful they are, but might tune out if you share a negative with them. And your boss is obsessed with status too, with a natural desire to feel valued by others. If your boss's groups value money and seniority, then the boss will seek to climb the career ladder at all costs to gain that status. What's important to remember, however, is this boss isn't a sociopath willing to ignore all evidence to climb to the top. They are actually exhibiting normal, healthy behaviour. This is how humans function. Dumb people think they are smart because that's what all of us think. So next time you wonder, how on earth did that idiot get that job? Or what the hell are those lot thinking? Don't question their sanity. Instead, realise that they view the world differently to you. And that's totally natural. Okay, that is all for today, folks. I wanted to end by apologising. This episode really only scratches the surface of the topic I'm talking about. There is much, much more to overconfidence, status and groups that I haven't been able to cover. But I wanted to keep the episode at a reasonable length, so decided to only cover the core concepts. If you want to learn more about confirmation bias and overconfidence, then I'd certainly recommend Will's book, The Science of Storytelling. Even though it's based around how to write a great story, Will still reveals great detail about the way we think. It's a fantastic summary of how groups work and why so many of us disagree. I've dropped a link to the book in the show notes so you can pick up a copy there if you're interested. Before leaving, I would love for you to do one thing for me. If you are enjoying Nudge, wherever you listen, be that on YouTube, Spotify or Apple, please, please, please click subscribe or follow wherever you listen. That tells the algorithms that you like the show and it helps me grow the show And the more the show grows, the better the show can be, the better the guests I can get on. So if you like the show, please subscribe. It'll really help me out. And if you want more nudge tips, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm P underscore Agnew. That's P underscore A-G-N-E-W on there. Or I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm Phil Agnew on there. I share tips every other day on those two platforms. So go and give me a follow. 
Okay, that's all. I'll be back next week for another episode of Nudge. <laughs>